From architecture to painting and sculpture, literature to live music and theater, Radio 111 presents Bonnie G and Brian Mendoza with The Desert Scene, your connection to culture and entertainment in the desert cities. Here's Bonnie and Brian. And welcome to the Desert Scene. Our for our guest today is Tim Bruno, who is the artistic director of the Palm Desert, excuse me, California Desert Chorale, and they've got a big holiday show coming up. Hi, Tim. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you, Bonnie? Good, good. So, um, uh, tell us about this uh, concert that's coming up. Well, uh, it's it's a particularly uh, exciting one for me because it's emerging from <laughs> from pandemic. Right. <laughs> You know, and we've been separate for so long. We've been doing everything virtually for a year and a half. We kept the chorale going, but, but we did only virtual performances with people submitting individual contributions and, and all that. But since uh, the second week of September, we've been back together rehearsing live, masked <laughs> live. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and everyone's just chomping at the bit because it's not only been so long since we've been together singing, but we haven't performed for an audience live in the... You know, well, gosh, more than a year and a half. Right. And uh, so we're very excited about it, and we have an event on, uh, we're doing, kind of opening the gates slowly, so to speak, uh, coming out of the pandemic, but we are doing just a single holiday concert. We typically would do three performances, but mm-hmm. so we are, we're doing only one on December 12th okay. at, at Hope Lutheran Church in what's called the Hope Center, and uh, uh, it's going to be very similar to what we've done in the past, but a bit scaled down, partly because um, you know, of our 60-plus members, um, we currently have only about 32 performing because people are concerned about right. the virus and, um, and all that. But, but we've got a nice, really nice-sounding group, and we'll have a, a, about a 72-minute concert without intermission and a small orchestra of about 10 players and um, familiar carols and uh, some kind of novelty pieces, some sort of silly comic Christmas pieces, and mm-hmm. uh, hopefully something for everyone. But that's, uh, again, on the 12th at Hope Lutheran Church at 3 o'clock, and uh, just showing up is fine. Uh, we have flexible seating, so people come in, and uh, uh, we are, we're asking a minimum $20 donation, but nobody will be turned away. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, everyone's welcome, so if they can't afford, that's fine. Then come anyway and enjoy the music. So it, that's what? our big plan. What what how have you had to do much adaptation because you have this, a smaller group than you normally do? Did you have to do change anything? Well, um, I think what's what's different maybe is simply that um, uh, in a smaller group, uh, what it what it does is, in, and I mean this in a positive way, it it forces even greater independence for each singer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, they simply have to be more reliable because they can't be lost in a, you know, a section of 20 sopranos. There's only there's only nine sopranos. So, yeah. you know, uh, and so they're more exposed, but it, it actually tends to make people uh, solid, uh, but more solid and better prepared, I think, because they know they, they can't be lost in the mix in quite the same way. Right. Um, but, but in terms of, of rehearsing a group like that, um, it's not dramatically different. It's simply that everyone has to be, be coached and taught to to listen a little bit differently because the overall um, amplitude of the sound is not quite as, as huge. Mm-hmm. But uh, but nevertheless, as I said, we're I'm really thrilled because we're making beautiful sounds and it's really unified. And um, you know, I, I go back to the fact that uh, you know Handel's famous Messiah was written for twelve singers. It wasn't written for. <laughs> I see. I didn't know that. Wow, that's yeah. interesting. And uh, very often that's the case with with baroque era music because um, the whole 
vocal concept of, of uh, you know, singing in Baroque period was very much instrumental and very much about being precise and being rhythmically accurate. And um, and the music's very complex in that way. But um, And, you know, Handel was smart enough to go, you know what, this is going to sound messy if I do it with 100 singers, so I'll just mm-hmm. do it with 12. Yeah. And, uh, uh, but anyway, I'm, I'm, as I said, I'm really pleased with the sounds we're making. It's a fairly, despite the fact that we're a little smaller, we are, it's very balanced between the sections, and uh, and the program itself is just is uh, designed to be appealing and uh, nothing too heavy, mm-hmm. and uh, just kind of bringing the joy of the season in and getting people in touch with not only the you know the fa la la and the jingle bells, but the the, the spirit of it, you know, spiritually, so to speak. That uh, uh, we need to be there for one another in these challenging times, and it is about peace and brotherhood and kindness. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so there's that little thread, of, you know, clean thread running through it as well, but, but also, as I said, lots of fun, lots of silliness. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, I wanted to ask you um, about one of the songs that you've chosen called The Welcome Table. I wanted to, I know that in the press release it said the reasons why, you know, you chose that specific song, but would you mind telling our audience why that song is included in your, um, and your program and why is it so special for you and why uh, and its significance for you because i think it's a great song if we're talking if i if i remember that song very clearly well it, it's a song uh, to you know, offer my own personal history with it it's a song that i heard as a uh, i guess as an adolescent i probably was in middle school or early high school and it's it's actually a spiritual it's a, it's there is no composer so to speak it's it's uh, was passed down like a folk song um, originally with African roots, but um, uh, and its its message is simply uh, you know, we're going to sit at the welcome table one of these days. That that if we keep working with one another and we accept differences and we work together to celebrate those differences rather than let them divide us, then then, then we'll be there together and it will be the most glorious feast. Is, is sort of what the message of, of the piece is, and it's an, a simple little tune that I. You know, as I said, I've known forever, but um, I arranged it for you know a five-part choir, a soprano, soprano, alto, tenor, and bass choir, and um, uh, just tried to create this this rousing anthem of uh, you know don't, I think of the the you know the rock song "Don't Stop Believing." It's like, folks, we have to we have to keep you know keep on this, and we have to keep believing that we can come together better than we have, and and I don't think anyone would deny that that our country has, uh, you know, has been increasingly divided in recent years, and uh, uh, social, politically speaking. And uh, I just want to keep the message out there that we can we can work together, and differences don't have to divide. So I guess that's the gist of you know, my motivation for writing it. That's fabulous. I think that's wonderful when you take a song that meant something a long time ago and you kind of, that's how timeless music really is, is that you take a song that was originally spiritual from back in the day to making it the song about reuniting people and bringing people together. And I think that's really wonderful, to be honest with you. And that's just the timeless quality of music. Well, and and, what you learn after, you know, and I've, uh, without uh, revealing my age, I've been doing this a while. Um, (laughs) one 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 of the things that you you learn is that most uh, great music in general, but also just like a great, uh, a great song, um, that what it gets at, what its messages are, what its themes are, are, are universal, and they are, as you said, Rand, they're, they're kind of timeless. That 
because because they address uh, the human condition and what we're always trying to do to be better people. And um, and I I think you know a great song written in uh, in fact some of my students my private voice students so I'll suggest why don't you sing this, this song and they'll uh, they'll say well when was that written I'm like well uh, I think it was 1932 mm-hmm. why do I want to sing it I said because there's a message in it that you can apply to right now absolutely <laughs> and, and enrich your life right now and that's what what a great piece of music will do it, it does not fade away you know we think about and I, I'll be a the first thing that I'm sort of a, a bit of a musical snob when it comes to certain kinds of pop music. Um, I think some of it is so so derivative, and so uh, it doesn't have that timeless quality. The lyrics don't have that that timeless quality. And uh, and I think of a comment that the amazing Elton John made once about you know, pop music, and that he said, "Well, the best thing about pop music is that it's so disposable." <laughs> <laughs> I never heard that quote. I love that. Uh, isn't that good? But it, but and, and there are certain kinds of pop music that are. It's like okay, I've heard this. I know what it says or doesn't say, and I, this is not going to continue to speak to me right. for three decades, right? Right. But you, but you jump back, and I'm going to sound like an old fogey here. But you jump back to the the songs of George Gershwin and Cole Porter, absolutely, and, and Jerome Kern, and you go, mm-hmm. wow! Every bit of emotion expressed in this song is just. Right timeless, now, timeless. Yeah. Tim, Tim do, do you have you written a lot of things? Have you composed a lot of music over the years? Um, I have, yeah, quite a bit. Um, um, a lot of, as you would imagine, because I've always been around choirs, a lot of choral arrangements, but I've also written what I guess categorically would be art songs where I've taken, you know, great American poetry and, and set it to music in a more of a classical vein. Um, I, in fact, I just finished one a short time ago that is a based on a Carl Sandburg poem called The Harvest Moon. And I, I wrote it for um, soprano, piano, cello, and flute. Mm. And, uh, and I've had a number of, number of things published over the years, mostly choral things. But um, and I've written a few, um, a few pop songs, mostly probably more than a decade ago when I was living in, in Pasadena and working in L.A. I wrote quite a few popular sort of songs and had a few of them um, optioned. Uh, that Midler bought bought an option on one for twenty thousand dollars and held on to it and and didn't record it but still so she still it's still out there nobody's ever recorded it wow no well no other than my my demos yeah Uh, um, and i think i think Cher bought an option once on something that i wrote this is some years ago but Mm -hmm. that's what you say but uh but that's a different world for me i'm I'm really more i'm more in the Coral, kind of. I just wanted to get sort of the somewhat time capsulated version. Are you are you from LA originally? I don't remember. Oh no, no, no! I I was born actually. I was born in Michigan in a tiny town in Michigan called Ironwood. And the reason I was born in Michigan is because my hometown across the border in Wisconsin uh, did not have a hospital. Ah. So uh, so I was born in Michigan, but lived in Wisconsin. Grew up in Wisconsin. was there till I was 18, I guess. Uh, no, more than that. I was, I was there till I was 22, because I went to college in Wisconsin as well, and then moved to Chicago and taught and performed in Chicago for about, oh, well, maybe, uh, let's see, mm-hmm. uh, eight, seven years. Okay. And then, then moved to Los Angeles in 1987, and, uh, and then to the desert in 2005. And what, what made you come to the desert? Well, um, my husband was was uh, ready to retire, mm-hmm. and, 
and having, having a few little health issues, but nothing major, but, mm-hmm. um, and just was waiting to make a change. And we had, we had a condo out here in Palm Springs that we lived in Pasadena for 20 years, but we had a condo in Palm Springs that we would come to on weekends, and we just, since he was ready to retire, we just kind of made this, this let's take a leap thing where I would, uh, um, I would, I would go along and we would just see what living in the desert full time was like. And my intention and, and my planning, financial planning, so to speak, was that I would make that move and I probably wouldn't do much of anything for about a year or so. Mm-hmm. I was just going to get the feel of, of the desert and see what what the musical scene was and so on. And um, and sort of a funny thing happened in that I was at I was attending a church service in uh, uh Palm Springs at a place called the Church of St. Paul in the desert, an Episcopal church. And I happened to be there, and um, I was just singing hymns along with the congregation. And when the service was over, this man turned around quickly, and he said to me, Who are you, and where have you been? What do you mean? Yeah. And, and, and he said, Well, I, I just don't hear singing like that. What's yeah. your story? Yeah. And And... And I sort of gave him a little bit of my rundown, and this is who I am aware of then. And he said, well, you don't happen to play the piano, do you? And I said, yeah, I do. And mm-hmm. he said, have you ever entertained in a restaurant? And I said, no. Mm-hmm. And he said, w- would you like to? I'm opening a new restaurant in Palm Springs. And and I said, uh, I, I don't know. I, I don't think so. Well, he said, I'll pay you this much. And, and he named an amount. And I said, I, I don't really think so. I want to take a year to... And then he named another amount, and I said, well, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I became a, a piano bar guy for the mm-hmm. first time in that, you know, my long life. And uh, and I had a blast doing it for about, um, between, I guess, four and, a half, four and a half years or so, maybe going on five. And then I just sort of, uh, it's like, okay, I've done that, and I want to go back to my my academic roots and concentrate more on and teaching at the College of the Desert and teaching privately. Yeah. And, uh, but... But it was really fun, and, what, and you know, I'm always the first one up to, you know, at the piano if there's a party, and somebody's like, "Let's see." You know, yeah. What restaurant was that? It was called the Uptown Grill. Okay, I vaguely remember that. Brian, have one more question. Oh, I wanted to ask you okay. before um, before the interview's over. I know that you have scholarships and internship opportunities at the California Desert Corral. I wanted to see if you could talk a little bit on that and anything that's sure. coming up for the California Desert Corral. Just anything in general. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, that that part of our outreach was a little, you know, kicked kicked in the behind by the pandemic as well. Um, but we do um, have an annual scholarship program. I'll talk first about the scholarship and then the internships. Um, the scholarship program wherein we we have funds, donated funds, that are set aside, and we hold a, uh, a scholarship competition where students come in and they they're required to sing. Uh, one classical piece and one musical theater piece, um, or it could be could be a standard. But the idea is one classical and one one not. And um, unlike a lot of competitions, one thing that I think sets us apart is that our competition day actually includes instruction. Um, uh, in that, uh, I hold what what they call in the business a master class. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. And, and all, all of the competitors, um, it's usually ten or so, ten or twelve. But they, they not only do they perform for you know, an audition for the scholarship, but they, I coach them all for about 20, about 20 minutes each and um, in front of the audience. And the judges observe that as well. And, and they, partly they make the awards based on how well 
the students respond to their direction and to their, their coaching. And, uh, and at the end of that day, we give away uh, a, you know, a California Joseph Corral scholarship, and we give a second scholarship that is uh, named in uh, honor of a former member of ours, Gordon Wolf. Um, his family established a memorial scholarship in his name, so we give that award away as well at each event. And lastly, we give away an audience favorite prize. <laughs> and uh, so that, that's the scholarship event. And uh, regarding the internships, um, uh, this has been especially challenging, but we're still, we're still at it. But um, you know, when I was teaching on campus at College of the Desert, um, teaching voice classes there and directing choirs there, um, I would always look for who are the outstanding young students who might not only benefit from a California Jesuit Corral membership, but might um, might enhance the choir as well <laughs> because of their skill and talent and discipline. And in any case, um, so I would select usually four to five students a year for that, and they would be invited into the corral and because they are interns, they they don't have the typical expenses of every other member, meaning they, their their membership dues are covered by the organization. Their uh, their attire, their tuxedos, and their performing gowns are covered by the organization, and they get the experience at a very young age of singing with a, a pretty high power choir. And uh, um, a lot of them, it's, it's fascinating because a lot of them. Um, it, it causes them to want to study further, mm-hmm. beyond, beyond COD. The, in fact, I've had probably seven or eight interns over the years that, yeah, eight, eight definitely, but um, that they have the experience of the corral, and they, of course, they've been in the high school choir and so on, but then they have the experience of the corral on a higher level, and they actually decided they wanted to pursue being choral directors. Excellent. And, Excellent. And that's a great thing. We, yeah. we, we need we need motivated, enthusiastic people with fresh ideas, and um, I'm just thrilled that the the scholarship program can, or excuse me, the internship program rather has fostered that. And you know, we we put a few conductors out there. Well, Tim Bruno, thank you so much. By the way, if you want more information about the Corral, you can go to www.californiadesertcorral.org. And the holiday event's coming up Sunday, December 12th at 3 p.m., Hope Lutheran Church. Tim Bruno, thank you so very much for being with us today. Oh, really appreciate you make, it. You make it so fun. Thank you to both of you. Oh, you're most welcome. All right, see you next time on The Desert Scene. I look forward to it.